Welcome to the Grow People podcast, uh, fast becoming America's number one podcast. <laughs> it is fast, actually, fast becoming. <laughs> it's the number one podcast coming out of Revolution Church. Uh, that is past the number one pod. Is it the number one in Canton, Georgia? Well, I don't know if it's. I don't know if, if it's, it's not one. the number one in Canton, Georgia, then we got some yeah. work to do. Yeah, maybe in Macedonia, but <laughs> but that's it's number one in Ducktown. Yeah, <laughs> that's bad. Free home. Free home. Uh, we're big in free home, by the Ducktown way. Ducktown is unincorporated, so I don't even know what that means. It means when they are uh, they don't have their own municipality. Hmm. So, like Holly Springs is incorporated. Okay. So, but it's still Canton. It's so there's levels. So Ducktown's mooching off of Macedonia. Is that is that how? Well, that works? I don't even think Macedonia is unincorporated. Is incorporated. It's basically saying this is a um, so that is still Canton. You know, okay. so they don't have their own police force, their own. Got it. So when you're incorporated, it's like a step up. Got it. So Holly Springs, you know, our address is Canton, but we live in Holly Springs. We've got our own police force. Yes. Got it. That is incorporated. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll take local municipalities for 400, Alex. <laughs> for Alex. It's not <laughs> Alex anymore. Who is it? I don't know. Yeah. It was Aaron Rodgers for a while. They have different people now, yeah, don't they? They? they had a bunch of different people. Then there was a guy and he was going to be it. And then is it is it the Jennings guy that, that won all the... All the matches in a row? I don't know. Is it called a match? I don't, I don't know. Game of Jeopardy, a match? It's called a kit. A kit. Yeah. <laughs> we were just having a soccer conversation <laughs> off air. Soccer or football? Football. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't even know if it's proper, but we went to the footy on Sunday night, and it was great. To the it, what? The footy. What is the footy? Chandler, is it called a footy? I'm pretty sure I've heard people call it a footy before. Okay. They can't hear him. Okay. Right? Yeah. He, he's in our ears. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, football game. It's a footy. A footy. I, I think that Chandler didn't sound too too sure about that answer. Okay. He he sounded more like, yeah, I don't want to say you're wrong because you're a pastor. We have a British, right, Chandler? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I know one of the supporter groups is called Footy Mob, so I think. Oh, yeah, okay. Technically, yeah. it is. Um, I I grew up playing soccer from like five years old. And I've never heard it called a footy. If you were from Liverpool instead of Tyler, Texas, they would. Yeah, they, maybe, they, maybe we need to ask Tom. Tom will uh, know. Tom will know. Yeah, our All British right. friend. Okay, um, that is Pastor Jason. I don't know if I got that the introductions. Uh, <laughs> I but think you did, and he, then Pastor Jason interrupted you. He is the lead pastor, uh, so he can interrupt. He is the lead pastor of Revolution Church. I'm just because I can doesn't mean I should. Uh, it's fine. Even though I just did again, it's totally okay. Yeah, uh, purpose- but is it? <laughs> <laughs> I see what he did there. See what I did yeah, there. Took me yeah. a while. Yeah. Uh, the purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help yell it out in your car. Grow, grow people. Grow people. Uh, normally, but don't interrupt us. No, don't. Uh, normally, we start with a few minutes of nonsensical banter uh, about <laughs> about unimportant things, which we just did. which is just which is why I did that because I saw yeah. you had that written down. <laughs> normally, we start with unimportant things, so uh, I was like, "Well, let's do that." Yeah, but we do want to get to something that is uh, different. It is important. Um, it is sobering, uh, and that is um, the war in Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, and and specifically. And this was a thought I had. You know, in 2020, everybody was an amateur epidemiologist. Mm-hmm. And then they became uh, experts in socio political issues, including but not limited to uh, racial recognition. Uh, racial rec- reconciliation. Rec- or, or recognition. Recognition is fine. <laughs> reconciliation. Too. Yeah. Um, uh, they became experts in electoral math uh, for the election. 
Oh, electromath. I was yeah, like, what is that? Electromath. Uh, that knows that uh, electricity. Mm. Uh, now, everybody, it seems, is a geopolitical and foreign policy expert. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they only became experts last Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> when when the war began. Uh, but let, let's forget all of all of that and simply talk about what should the Christian response be to the war in Ukraine? Because it's horrific. Yeah. It's horrific on so many levels. We've all had conversations. I'm sure you've had conversations with your family, with your friends at work, and it may be visceral uh, to you on a a level that we don't even comprehend. Many of us have uh, friends who are missionaries Mm -hmm. that that go to Ukraine or live in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Um, My family's from Belarus, and the ministry that I know, uh, led by a, a Woodstock rabbi, Oh, a wow. rabbi from Woodstock, Georgia, has a ministry in Belarus and Jerusalem mm. that ministers only to Holocaust survivors. Mm. And he told me on Saturday night that his people in Belarus are absolutely mortified wow. that their country was used as a launching pad mm. for this invasion. So uh, no matter how you are... Because it's a very pro-Russian country, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, my family great-grandparents, not like great-great-great-grandparents. My great-grandparents emigrated to the United States from Vitebsk, Russia, which is now part of Belarus. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so you may have a, a different visceral response, but what is our response as Christians? Yeah, and that's a great question. And obviously, <clears throat> you know, we don't have time to get into the particulars of all of that mm-hmm. um, because there's definitely, in any time, you know, and we were talking about this earlier, so I've been thinking about it. You know, anytime something happens, um, <clears throat> whether it's this war or whether it was, you know, um, the pandemic or, you know, protest, um, there's always going to be um, sides. There's always going to be, there's truth in there somewhere, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I'm actually reading a book right now for a school called Christians in the Age of Outrage. And one of the things that he talks about in there that I, that I found fascinating. So I'm kind of like, let's dig into this before okay. I just give you an answer. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, I mean, to be honest, I don't know if I have an answer. Mm-hmm. I just talk around about it, you know, to help people come to better conclusions maybe. But one of the things he talked about that I found quite fascinating, and we didn't even talk about this earlier, was, you know, we live in the information age mm-hmm. right now with the internet. Yep. Um, you know, with the advent of technology. And so one of the things that, that he pointed out is the, when it was created, one of the, one of the side of, one of the goals of the original idea of the internet and getting information out there was to, the exact words he used was to try to help people who had extreme positions become more moderate. Um, So people who were, maybe had an extreme position on something, whatever the issue was, mm-hmm. the the original creators of the concept of opening up the internet and making the world more connected, the original goal was to help those people with extreme positions move to the middle. So extreme to more moderate. But what they've actually found is the exact it opposite. It didn't happen no, that way. The exact opposite has happened. People who were actually moderate before the internet have now moved to extremes. Yes. So the exact opposite thing of the goal happened. And the reason being is because the way, the way that most, even though information is accessible, um, 
you know, whatever viewpoint you want, you can go find online. But what was fascinating and he, and Ed Stetzer points it out in the, in our, the book that I'm reading is most people, when we get our information, we, we started out from a moderated position, but we only get our information typically from one side. Mm -hmm. So then it moves us into a more extreme position because just the way information is curated, you know, and, and a lot of that is done by algorithms and stuff beyond our control that we don't even know about. Like when we go search something, we're not getting pure results. We're getting Mm -hmm. results based upon prior dispositions we've already set, Mm -hmm. you know, things that Google or other search engines already know about us. Mm -hmm. So they're feeding you information that they think that you're already going to like. Um, So therefore it's created people that were more moderated to more extreme so if that's true, and it is, or I should say, since that's true, yes. then what we should do, I think the first thing that we should do as Christians is whenever we get information, it's not that we should be skeptical of it, because also in the last two years has arisen the term fake news and right. all that kind of stuff. It's not that necessarily news might be fake or not, it, but it is definitely news with an opinion attached to it, mm-hmm. you know? So I think the very first thing we should do as Christians is we should listen well and then grieve. Mm. You know, we should, we should, so let's take this concept or this not concept, this reality that's happening. Yeah. Last week, Russia invaded Ukraine. And when that happened, you know, um, another thing psychologically, uh, you know, that psychology tells us we are, we are affected by events based upon the proximity with which they happened to us. That's good. So like when nine 11 happened, we felt that mm-hmm. a lot more because that was on our soil. But when a tragedy happens in somewhere else in a faraway right. land, we're less affected by it. But now with technology, we can, we see those things, we get sure. updates, you know, so th- that can actually be a good thing yeah. is we can see those things that are happening. Listen, and then grieve that we live in a world where that happens. No, that's so good because, you know, 80 years ago, World War II, mm-hmm. the world did not know Germany had invaded Poland. Uh, unless unless you had some type of uh, access to a newspaper three weeks later. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't immediate. Everybody has known, hey, this, is, this was going to happen. Yeah, not only do we know it happened, we knew it was going to for yeah. weeks. Yeah, yeah. And, and now... Uh, you know, you have the Ukrainian president Zelensky who has become this, uh, um, uh, I don't want to say idol. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's been heroic, a, ro- a yeah. role model, yeah. uh, a, a great example of, of how to lead. So it, we have an immediate response to these things. Yeah. And, the, and they are very visceral. And that's where I think, again, it is good and right. It's good to know what's going on in the world. That's mm-hmm. not a problem. So the internet can help us do that, but we should like Lindsay and I, uh, my wife, you know, we're talking about it and she made a comment. She's like, this is just so sad. This just yeah. breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, it does. And it should. But the thing that we have to remember is this happens all the time. Like we, we have just, we have been with the exception of nine 11 and you know, the Gulf war and other things. But since world war two, you know, and the, again, there's been other wars, Korean and, and Vietnam, and but especially as Americans, we just kind of get so immune to things that are happening in the world because um, 
we didn't live through it, especially in the last 30 or 40 years, you know, but dictators moving into other countries and trying to conquer them or moving or, you know, power struggles like this within the world happen all the time, all over the place. Right. So I think not only should we step back and grieve, you know, when those kind of things happen, we should allow those things to affect us to the point to where we ask questions about like, man, what is it about the human heart that leads us to this? Mm-hmm. You know, why, what everybody wants to talk about, you know, Putin and like what his goals are and, uh, you know, why is he doing this? And, you know, from his perspective, Ukraine was a part of Russia and he mm-hmm. wants it back, you right. know, and we can look at that and, and so readily point the finger and rightly so like that's evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the problem with social media and, and technology is we're so not only are we not very quick to grieve, we're also very quick to point out the evil in others mm-hmm. and not in ourselves. Mm-hmm you know, to say, man, I have the capacity for that kind of evil too. Um, I have, and, and of course what he is doing is horrible on a global scale. Right. And hopefully countries in the world, our country included will push back on that in evil. Um, because we shouldn't ever just stand by and let things happen, Mm -hmm. you know, which again, I'm not, I understand there's a lot of political ramifications to that. I'm not trying to get into that. Sure. But, but what I'm saying is, we should allow these events in the world awaken us to realities that are true. Mm-hmm. We are evil as well. Well, number one, there is evil in the world. Number two, there, I'm a part of that evil. Mm-hmm. And number three, you know, how can the kingdom of God um, be expressed in this situation? You know, what is the, so anytime the, like I actually, cause I haven't been on social media hardly, but I actually retweeted, um, something last week, the first time in like in a long time, um, because it was about a church that was meeting in Ukraine mm. and what they were having to do. And so I just posted that and said, I love the church. Um, and I think it's okay to highlight those kinds of things. You know, it, it's okay to talk about um, how even in the midst of this, that God is working and right. he is, and he's working through his people. And there's all kinds of ministries that are helping with the refugees and and even supplying, getting supplies into the pastors. Like I heard one story of a pastor who in Ukraine, who took his family outside of Ukraine, took them to Poland so that they were safe. And then he went back into Ukraine to pastor his church family. Wow. Because he had a dual responsibility, shepherd his family and then Mm. shepherd God's family. Mm. So he took his family out to safety and then came back to help lead his family. Mm. Well, again, I want to celebrate that. Yes. You know, I want to celebrate in the face of great tragedy and evil, God is still working in the midst of people like that. And so, again, back to your original question, I think whatever is going on, if we can kind of, as Christians, we can step back, listen, grieve, not give in to the outrage machine, mm-hmm. you know, um, because there's so many things that we can be so quickly outraged by that we come back later on and find out that wasn't even true. Wow. You know, that's happened a ton. Yep. <laughs> um, and then again, pray for those people, pray for um, the leaders in Ukraine, pray for our world leaders, pray for Putin, that God would change his heart, Absolutely. you know, that he would see the evil that he's doing. Um, and, and 
I guess really my answer to the question would be just try to think as much about being a kingdom citizen mm. more than an American citizen. That's good. Um, again, not that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. We live in a great country. I love our country and it's okay to fight and defend your country. Um, there's biblically nothing wrong with that. Um, but to look at every situation through the lens of my own country, I think is limited. Mm-hmm. I need to look at it from a kingdom perspective and, you know, history is riddled even in the Bible with God using foreign nations to judge and do. So So I don't claim to know all the spiritual ramifications of what is happening Mm -hmm. in Ukraine or even what's happened in the world in the last two years with pandemics and politics. I don't claim to know all that. And I think we should all be very, very um, humble in how we respond to people. I don't know. Like it's, it's like when certain presidents get elected, people think, well, that's the antichrist. Well, how do you know that? Right. You know, and what if your guy that you elected is actually the antichrist, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so again, I think we just need to be very humble and very skeptical of, I just don't want to be emphatic about like, well, God is doing this. Um, I want to listen. I want to grieve. And then I do want to look for and celebrate um, the ways the kingdom is working. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned it again just now, and you started out uh, the answer to the question with that word grieving. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we unpacked in our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course mm-hmm. uh, that you took us through uh, at the beginning of 2021 that I didn't understand. I didn't understand the extent of grief. I don't think any of us did. I don't still. And, and so how would you, how would you define, Hey, we, we have to grieve over this. Well, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I wish, like looking back on the pandemic, one of the things I wish I would have done, um, in leading our church, uh, like when the pandemic first started in March, which we're coming up on two years now, um, cause now we're in March, 2022. So we're literally like two weeks away from the two years ago when we closed our, you know, in-person gatherings. Um, when that happened, I was so quick to move our church to mission, mm-hmm. which again, I'm not saying was bad. Um, but I think we all thought this was going to be like, a, Oh yeah, we're just closing down for a couple of weeks. We're going to get back right. into this. So I was excited. Like I was excited to bless our community, to help our community, to figure out ways to, um, whether it was helping the hospitals or our school systems. I mean, we did a ton of stuff you know, in that early time. But I think I, even though I I felt like it was the right thing to do for us to lead our church, to mobilize the mission, one thing that I didn't do that I wish I would have done now is lead our church to grieve, Mm. you know, to, to lament would be the Bible, you know, word. And we've talked a lot about that, how there's an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. Mm -hmm. And the process that God like lamentations ends really well with promises and hope, but it for a couple of chapters, it doesn't feel real well, mm-hmm. you know, and especially the events that happened, you know, March and then that the summer in 2020 with uh, the, with all the racial reckoning that was happening. Um, I just don't think I did a, a great job of leading our church emotionally about how, why it was necessary to grieve, mm-hmm. um, why it was necessary 
to stop and, um, and really allow the Lord to work with us, you know, because at that point in time, not a lot of people, I mean, there were people that were getting sick and there were deaths, but it wasn't nearly as widespread as what came later. And I, I just don't think that we were prepared. Uh, I know I wasn't prepared to help people lead through the grieving process because I didn't feel like I was very good at it. Yeah. And it wasn't until later that, yeah. that everybody started to understand, oh, we have to grieve not only the physical losses of yes. people in our families, but also the loss of way of life, yes. the loss of time, mm-hmm. the loss of community. Relationships. Yeah. yeah community. Yeah. Yeah. So as it, it's not a, a, a just a, a trite Christian thing to say, hey, we have to stop and grieve. No, it's healthy again. And that's where, I mean, Jesus did that. I mean, we talked about this before the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, mm-hmm. you know, before Jesus moved in power in Jerusalem, he wept over it. You know, he wept over his people and he said, you know, several times, Oh, Jerusalem, how I would gather you together, mm-hmm. you know, but basically you would have none of it. Um, so I, I think the reason this kind of goes back to the outrage and I think this is probably a good way to talk about it. One of the reasons why Christians get so outraged on online is it's misplaced grief. It's their grief coming out sideways as anger. Yes. Um, yes. And that's what we have to be super careful of. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really angry. I could get very angry at you, but at the end of the day, I'm not as angry as you as I am about angry uh, that I lost something. And that's, that's excellent because I think everybody experienced someone taking out their anger over the pandemic or their anger over uh, what was happening in our country on us, on, on, on you, you're listening right now. Some, somebody took out their anger on you and it had nothing to do with you. Oh, absolutely. That's how well, can we, we see videos. It used to be like Walmart videos that we would see people like on black Friday where they were fighting over TVs and yeah. stuff, you know? And you see those videos, and, and I always think, what happened in that person's life yes. to lead them to be fighting over a Vizio? Mm-hmm. Like, what happened? Yeah, it, <laughs> it, had, it had nothing to do with Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, something happened. And then you start seeing videos where people are fighting over masks and that kind of stuff. And we took a lot of flack, you know, because we, we closed in-person gatherings for four or five months, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and people were making such definitive spiritual statements about um, how we should be doing something or shouldn't be doing something. And really, again, thinking I'm not mad at those people, but I heard someone say a lack of compassion comes from someone who, who hasn't grieved well Mm. or hasn't like the more that I suffer, the more compassion I have. Yes. Um, So therefore, if I have a lack of compassion, then I really haven't suffered enough in my own life and dealt with it. Mm -hmm. Because like Job, for example, Jesus, you know, the two of the most compassionate guys coming out of that, out of that season of suffering in their life, because they knew what it was like. Yep. And so I think there was a lot of people in America, especially that were really grieving the loss of freedom because there was a loss of freedom. Mm -hmm. We were told what we could do and couldn't do. And, you know, as Americans, we just don't like that, you know. And again, I'm not even getting political about saying the, the 
whether the government has the right to do that or not. Cause there were definitely, and still are, there were definitely abuses of a leadership mm-hmm. abuses of authority, no doubt. But my, my, my point is I think without a proper perspective on, I need to grieve well, mm-hmm. then that, that will just come out in anger sideways at somebody else because I'm really grieving my loss of freedom. I'm not mad at you. Exactly. You know, but it's coming out like I'm mad at you mm-hmm. because you're the perpetrator I see as the making me lose my freedom. Yeah. The, the best way I, I've, I've heard it described is everybody's system gets pressurized. Yeah. And just like you would take a car to get fixed, what does the mechanic do at the end of that process? Pressurizes the engine to see where the engine is leaking. Mm-hmm. The leak has to come from somewhere. Yeah. So everybody's system was pressurized in 2020. Oh, gosh. It's yeah. going to leak out somewhere and quite often leaked out in anger on somebody who was just there at the time. Was there at the time or, you know, again, depending upon, because there was a lot, it was an election year. You know, there were so many things that, that, and again, I'm not saying as Christians, we shouldn't be mad at those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is such a, I mean, God does get mad at, at evil things. Like God is mad over the loss of life in Ukraine. Um, God is mad when his image bearers um, are mistreated. But another book that I had to read for school, when it was talking about how we respond, the it was a lady uh, psychologist, incredible book called Redeeming Power. And she talked about how every time we respond to somebody, our first, resp- our first thought should be, that's an, an image bearer of God I'm about to respond to. Wow. That's an image bearer right there. Wow. That's not a Republican or a Democrat or a certain skin color person. That is an image bearer of God. And if that's an image bearer of God, then how does God want me to respond to that person? And again, that's the problem with social media. We take that aspect of it out. We just see him as an avatar. You know, we just see him as a icon or whatever emoji. Um, we forget that that is an image bearer there. And that is an image bearer that God loves, that he died for. And so therefore I need to respond in such a way that honors that person, the image of God in that person. Um, and that's why it's so important that we deal with our own grief well, so that I'm having compassion now for you. Um, instead of letting my issues come out where I now mistreat you. Mm-hmm. Who's an image bearer? If you made it to about the 25th minute of this podcast, that, that was, I mean, there was a lot of good things, but that was gold to, to really consider. And that's going to take some practice. That's going to take some, oh, gosh, some yeah. muscle memory for before you respond. I mean, scripture says, be slow to speak. Yes. Uh, but before you respond, look at that person. That is an image bearer. Yes. Of God. Of God. And so are you. Mm-hmm. How do you? How does God want you to respond? And 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 what reflects God? Yeah. So if you are a follower of Christ, and you want somebody else to see Christ in you, how are you going to respond? Yeah, and I th- and I think that's where that's what I was. Why I said earlier when we first started talking about this is like recognize uh, not only recognize that there's evil in the world, but recognize there's evil in you. Amen. Because you look at someone like the president of Russia and you think, 
how can they do this? Right. How can they just bomb people and kill people? Well, they can get to that just as fast as I can get to that by cutting you down with my words. Sure. Absolutely. You know, uh, I can get real, I can get to, to harming the image of God in you so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's not a far jump to go from then hurting you. Mm. If, if I am, if I'm driven by some other identity, you know, that's the biggest problem in the world. Um, you know, there's been a lot of conversations about nationalism and Christian nationalism. Um, it's not a, in my opinion, it's not a, and I think biblically, it's not a problem to be a Christian who loves your country. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, uh, borders are fine. You know, defending your borders are fine. Um, you see that all throughout scripture. Um, so it's not wrong for me to be an American, um, who is also Christian. It's just wrong for me to get my Americanism in front of my Christian, um, which that's true about any identity. It'd be, it's wrong for me to get my masculinity in front of my Christianity. Mm-hmm. It's wrong for me to get my um, whatever, you know, my, my favorite sports team. It's wrong for me to get money in front of my Christian. And so we, as the world, again, going back to internet, as it has made more moderate people extremes, we are now driven more so than ever before by some other ism than we are Christian. And, and that's going to fit in so well. Uh, <laughs> good segue into uh, the next part of the gospel according to John, yeah. which will be John chapter 10, mm-hmm. which is going to start out with Jesus being the good shepherd yeah, and where we place our hope and trust not in a person, not in a country, but in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And he, and he talks a lot about his sheep and his people. And one of the things he says in there that kind of fits right into what I just said, he was telling them, I have sheep that are not of this fold. Mm. Like the most amazing thing about Jesus and Christianity is how it, it is such a big umbrella for humanity to come underneath. I mean, just in Jesus's disciples, he had one who was working for Rome as a tax collector, one who was trying to overthrow Rome as a zealot, you know, um, and and then he had these misfit. He he had all these people that had such pol- different political ideological views, but that came under the banner of the kingdom of God, and so I think that's what we have to be driven by, and that's what Jesus. That's the type of shepherd he is. He's the type of shepherd who wants sheep from every um, tribe, nation, and tongue. And so as I think as Christians, again, if we can hold these two things, it is not wrong for us to be a part of a, like it's not wrong for the Ukrainians to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. That is not wrong. And it is wrong for the Russians to come in and try to take over a sovereign country. That is wrong. I can say those two things and still believe that Ukrainians should love Russians. Mm Mm-hmm. And because in the kingdom of God, there's going to be Russians and Ukrainians. That That's what's amazing. That's amazing. Yes. And so there's times where I can be against um, a country because of their evil ambitions, but I'm not against those people. Um, and I think we've seen that a lot, unfortunately, in this country, whether it was, um, you know, at World War II, where we had the Japanese internment camps and because Japan had done what... Did what it that was wrong and evil, but that doesn't mean we should hate all Japanese. That's right. You know, um, Germans. It was wrong and evil what they did, 
Uh, I mean, anybody with a brain would see that, but that doesn't mean I hate Germans. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem with these other identities that come about, these other movements within sects of groups of people like white nationalists or, you know, Antifa or whoever it is, is they let some other identity come up to the top of the surface, Mm. not my Christianity. So again, as a Christian, I can love America I can love Ukraine and defend those countries while still loving the very people that I'm defending it from. That's good. Yeah. Um, and, and you just don't see that. Mm-hmm. That's not the mentality of most Christians. Um, like I, I'll joke with, with Natalie, my daughter, um, you know, cause I love, like we drive Toyotas, which come from Japan and, you know, Japanese products are really good. Honda, Toyota, mm-hmm. they're generators. They're, cars, their vehicles are really good. And a lot of stuff that comes from China is not, you know, a lot of stuff that, uh, a lot of products that come from there just aren't very high quality. And so I'll joke with my daughter. I said, Hey baby, we don't like Chinese products, but we love Chinese people. Yep. You know, like, I don't have to like the products, mm-hmm. you know, I can, I can have a favorite product. I can like Japanese products over Chinese products, but I can't love Japanese people over Chinese people. Right. Both of those groups of people are image bearers of God. Mm -hmm. And I am called, we are all called to love those people from those places, even though we might have ideological or political differences with those people. And Jesus was pretty clear, whether a friend or an enemy, what our response is. Yeah. I mean, Christianity is the only faith on the place, uh, on the face of the planet, the only faith on the face of the planet that has at its core, the love of enemy. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, and again, this is key because we were enemies of God. Yes. Well, it's really hard to love my enemies if I don't realize that I was God's enemy, mm-hmm. but it becomes really easy to love my enemies when I realize I was God's enemy and he loved me. I wish I had added that to the part about loving your enemy yeah. in, in the message on Sunday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, that's a lot, uh, to absorb, um, because it covered some, some pretty heavy stuff. Uh, but continue to pray for the people of Ukraine. Absolutely. Uh, continue to pray that they would get the supplies they need, the, the, uh, relief efforts that they need, uh, and that this war would end. Yeah. And it's not, again, it's not wrong to pray for that. It's not wrong to pray for our world leaders. You know, um, there's a lot of people that are gonna be like, well, if we, you know, if this person was in charge or that person was in charge, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah. But there's plenty of things that happened when those other people were in charge that Mm -hmm. we didn't like either. Yeah. So again, grief is important. Um, pray for those, you know, that are persecuted and pray for all leaders, you know, and, and, Specifically, and I'm appreciative that you said this, specifically pray for Putin. Absolutely. Because if Paul can get saved, yes, who was a terrorist, yes, killing Christians, yes, and if we were saved, yes, hostile to God, yes, Putin could be saved. Absolutely, he can. And, and that is not beyond the power of God to mm-hmm. do that. And it is not wrong to pray for that because again, we pray that he comes to his senses to see that this is senseless Mm. that, you know, again, we define it's, it's amazing. Again, we could talk way more about this, but 
it's again, it's really easy to look at leaders of free country of countries like that. I don't say free countries, but countries like that. And like, and ask the question, don't you have enough land already? Mm-hmm. Why do you need more land? But again, it's really hard to look at my own life and be like, well, don't you have enough money in your bank account already? Why do you need more? Mm-hmm. Why are you stepping over people to get more money as opposed to using your money to bless more people? So it's, again, I look at that situation and I think, man, Russia is pretty big already. Don't you, aren't you all good? Why don't you, why doesn't Putin as a leader use his leadership to bless the Russians right. instead of using the Russians to fuel his ambitions? Mm-hmm. Well, that's an age old leadership question, yep. you know, but again, it's very easy to look at that and, and very hard to look at myself, which goes into John 10. We'll talk about it this weekend is my job as a leader is to use my gifts and talents to bless the people that God has for me to lead, not for the people that I'm leading to be here for me. That's right. And my ambitions. Um, and that's, that's the problem with what's happening. So again, I'm saying that to say, we, we want God to turn Putin, Putin's heart, not only to Jesus, but back to his people, Mm -hmm. back to the people that he's been entrusted to love and lead. Um, and if he would just do that, they would be a prosperous country. Great way to uh, wrap up today's podcast. Thank you, Pastor Jason. Thank you to Chandler, our executive producer. Uh, speaking into our ear. Thank yes. you. Appreciate that. And uh, we'll find out whether footy is uh, appropriate to say or <laughs> completely inappropriate. I don't know. Uh, if you want a transcript of today's podcast, just write down everything we say. Uh, and as always, uh, we end with the best advice we've ever heard. Trust God. Take a nap. See you next time.